Yes. Hey, get fired up this morning real quick. Everybody stand up and give somebody a high five near you and say, get fired up. All right. Just like that. Yes. All right. Very good. Happy Independence Day weekend. All right, you guys can sit. We're going to get rocking and rolling this morning. My name's Jeff, and I'm one of our pastors on staff, and it is Independence Day weekend. Real quick before we dive in, let's give a real huge welcome to the many right now who are watching via Facebook Live. Say hello to all those guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome use of technology. Every week now we have hundreds of people watching online. How cool is that? Uh, I'm excited about our military personnel who get to be with us, and then when they go away, they get to still be a part, so glad to have you guys. Um, Real quick this morning, I'm going to go ahead and tell you where I'm going to go. I'm going to back out of it and come back in. So I want to tell you this morning, I'm titled today's message, I'm Optimistic. All right, that's the title today. I want you to lean over to your neighbor and say, I'm Optimistic. Pick somebody and say, I'm Optimistic. All right. Now, looking at the person who is your second choice, say, I like you too, okay? <laughs> All right? All right, so how many of you guys realize that it is, it is very, very easy, very easy to drift towards being negative? In fact, I would say there's probably an epidemic in our world today with being negative. Uh, I, I, I need today's message, right? This message is for me. Uh, I'm optimistic Right up, right up until the time that I'm not, <laughs> right? Anybody like that? I mean, you feel like I'm, I'm optimistic right up until the time you're like, now I'm not, right? For whatever reason it is, I'm no longer optimistic. By the way, uh, we, I like this t-shirt, all right? I was given this t-shirt last weekend, um, and I, I like this shirt, and I think we ought to steal this shirt. Anybody agree we should steal this shirt? I think they stole our slogan. It's another church, this church, Church by the Glades. I think they might have stole our idea, all right? I don't know how they could have done that. They started before we did as a church, so maybe we stole their idea, but that's neither here nor there. So I think my church needs to have a very patriotic 2016 shirt, maybe sort of like this with a flag on it. The Olympics are coming up, right? We're going to be all rowdy. And all fired up about that. So how many guys would say, if we had these shirts, you would want one? Raise your hand. I'm just, I'm just taking surveys. Seriously, you guys like this shirt? Okay. All right. Anybody here that, um, that I could uh, inspire to help us get that done uh, on our team, on our staff? Because, you know, I'm rolling out like job descriptions right today about getting our t-shirts. All right. So think about that. All right. So, um, so let me tell you why this message is imperative for me and why I think it's imperative for us. Um, I, I really feel like there are so many times in my life that I have had a positive attitude, that I have been moving forward, and all of a sudden I have had those experiences, and they are many, that I have gotten tripped up, and I quickly become be, like maybe the most negative person that I know. And that's not always been, but it seems like with life, it seems with a couple bruises, it feels like a, a couple shots to the gut. It can be that we can very easily drift towards being negative. 
Um, now I'm going to back out of that for just a second. I'll come back to the idea of where we're going to go this morning. I want to give you something personal this morning. I want to first say thank you for letting me get away. Uh, thank you for letting my family get away. Um, I don't know if you guys realize this, but it is probably one of the most valuable things I do in my marriage and in my family and my own personal health for me to be able to get a real time away where I try to turn off everything and all my connectivity to the church. Um, a year and a half ago, my dad called me from South Florida. We were right in the middle of doing a series called Burned by the Church. I'm talking about how churches have burnt people, and we're talking about all the dumb things that pastors have done, that churches have done, how we've dumbed up, and how we don't represent who Jesus is all that well by our actions. I'm in the middle of that series, and on one Sunday morning on, a way, on the way to church, getting ready to give my, my, my message that morning, my dad calls me, and he says, um, son, you may hear this in the news, it's going to come out, our pastor's announcing today that he is, he's leaving the church. I don't know how specific they got, but it was over an affair. And so we talked for a long time, and I, we began to talk about the guys that we knew that were in ministry that had fallen out of the ministry. By the way, there's a stat that says one out of ten pastors make it in ministry for the long haul. One out of ten make it the full duration that they actually stay in ministry and finish out in ministry. And there's a variety of reasons why they are no longer in ministry but I would say this, I would say this, that a church like ours, who really, really targets people who are far from God, and I think that's probably the most noble audience and target that our church has. It's the reason Jesus came, right? So that men and women, boys and girls could find him and they could go and they could make it to heaven someday. They could know him. I would say that the enemy who I know is very real um, is out to mess up those churches and those pastors royally. Uh, I, I, I don't say this in any sort of negative way, and we're talking about that today, um, but I would say our enemy is not really targeting churches who are dead. There's not a whole lot of need to target churches that are just dead, and that's not a negative towards that church. There are churches that have different focuses, but I will say this. My dad called me on that morning and I remember all of a sudden going from like up here to down here. Because I look at all the guys that have gone before me, a lot of great churches that have just, that have gotten the waters very muddy and lost it all, uh, has, be, has been because the enemy has just wreaked havoc. This last weekend I went and spoke to a church in Florida uh, called Church by the Glades. That church helped us begin. They were our first check that was written that helped pay for the tent that we started the church in. And I was reminded this last weekend, every, every, every church, every large church in South Florida has lost their pastor to an immoral failure within the last two years in South Florida. Every church. One was my dad's, and then there are several others that were all guys that I knew. Guys older, guys younger. And so my dad and I were talking, and we were reminiscing about, you know, one of our best, one of my best friends who had fallen, the pastor that we grew up with, who was my mentor, who had fallen, his pastor now, who had fallen. And my dad was just sort of destroyed in that moment on the phone, crying to me. 
he said this. I'll never forget these words. This is how, if you want to know the Murphy family, this is kind of the language we talk. My dad goes, son, don't screw it all up. That's what he said. He said, don't screw it up. He said, son, don't blow it. Don't blow it. And my dad, he, my dad knows he has permission to speak into my life. He's my dad, right? Whether it's invited or uninvited, right? He still calls my wife often and says, how's that boy doing? I'm still the boy, you know? And she'll say, fine. And if you've ever heard me say this before, he'll say, no, really, how's he doing? Because if he's not, I'll come up there. And my dad said, don't screw it up. Don't blow it. And I, I started crying, and I said, this is, this is where I get back into this message. I started crying, and I said, I might as well quit now. I might as well just quit now. Because guys far better and smarter and wiser, more aware of than me, are dropping like flies. I might as well quit now. Well, how quick can all of us get to a place where we look around at our world and look at everything and just get overwhelmed by all the negative junk that's going on. I mean, you think about our own self-talk, right? Just personally, your self-talk, my self-talk. I mean, on a bad day, man, there, there can be some bad self-talk going on. I mean, it, it can start from I don't have what it takes to my life stinks to I can't stand where I'm at in my life, right? And you, you guys realize that when you start traveling down that path, we breed in our lives more of what we think is going to happen. Now, this is going to go far beyond a self-help talk, I promise you. This is not just a, a rub, genie, you know, rub a bottle, genie in a bottle, make you feel good, you know, quick fix mentality. I, I really want to give you some stuff. But we'll say these things over and over and over and over and over until most of us will have a bad life. And so you think about our own self-talk. I, I, I was reminded... Uh, there's a place that I get to uh, frequent every now and then uh, when I get out of town, a coffee shop I like to go to. It's just a quiet, nestled place. Um, it's called Bucks, Bucks, not Starbucks, just Bucks Coffee. And um, I'll get up there, and it's sort of in a little mountain town up in North Georgia. And um, I love to go there because I love to listen to the old timers that, that, get, that get together. There's about 15 men who've all retired out of Atlanta and different places all around. I mean, these guys, by, by way of listening, I've never met them. I've never talked to them. I've just eavesdropped for like three years. So I know them. I know them all by name. I, mean, I can tell you all their names. I can tell you what sport they played back 50 years ago. It's hilarious, like how awesome they were. Like really, really, they were incredible. I mean, how they helped bring the Olympics to Atlanta, all this kind of stuff. But I'll listen to these guys, and I wrote down, down some, of the, some of the negative talk I even hear from these guys, and it's hilarious. When they get on a tangent, how they all chime in, and it was up here, and it all goes down here in just a moment, right? But here's some of The economy's doomed. The, our world's falling apart. Our school system stinks. You can't trust anybody anymore. The government's spraying our crops with poison, and we're all going to hell in a handbasket, Right? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I've been writing these things down, thinking about this idea of positivity literally for a few years now because I, I realize that, that bad, that bad self-talk, just like thinking and breathing and looking for things negative, can drag not only you down but everybody down around you. Uh, the reality is there are a lot of bad things happening in the world, right? 
I mean, you, you don't have to but look in the news and know that there's a bunch of junk and a, bad, a lot of bad things that are happening. However, as Christians, we should not ever put our heads in the sand and just throw up our hands and say, whatever, we're just going to quit and give up. That's not what we should do either. But at the same time, we've got to remember at the same time, God is doing amazing things all across the globe. It's really what you're looking for is what you ultimately end up finding. I've even heard the difference between an optimist and a pessimist. pessimist. Even when trying to quote the verse, my cup runneth over, the optimist says, my cup is running over, God has blessed me. The pessimist says, my cup is running over, there must be a mess. I don't even know if that's really funny, but I thought it might have been. So um, in one service today, there's no one who's going to get it any better than that. Okay, so... So the truth is, we're, we all find what we're, what we're looking for. If you're, have you ever heard of the, the buzzard and the hummingbird bird effect? What does a big buzzard fly around looking for? Looking for what? Dead things. What does it usually find? Dead things. What does a hummingbird buzzing around, what does a hummingbird normally find? Sweet things, right? Right? Because it's looking for sweet things. It finds sweet things. What we are looking for is generally what we end up finding. And this is not just, again, not just a message that's going to just say, let's just feel good. In fact, we're going to flip this whole feeling thing around to what we know to be true. But I want to show you in Proverbs eleven twenty seven. it says this. If you search for good, you will find favor. Now, I'm just going to give you straight-up Scripture today, all right? I'm going to give you some straight-up Scripture, and I'm about, to, I'm about to speed things up to, like, fire hydrant machine gun effect in just a minute. But for right now, I'm going to walk you through this first. If you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for what? Evil. That would be the buzzards. If you search for evil, you will find... It will find you, all right? I could be negative and talk about me needing glasses, but I'm not going to do that right now, okay? If you search for evil, you don't even have to search all that hard, it will find you. People all over the world are talking themselves into having a bad life. So, if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. I didn't see one person grab a pen, okay? If you're taking notes, thank you very much, I saw notebooks pop up. If you're taking notes, write this down. I'm not optimistic based on what I feel. That should never be the case. I'm optimistic based on what God says. So buckle up. Here we go. I want to give you eight reasons I'm optimistic from Romans 8. So if you've got a Bible, grab it. New Testament. Here's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to give you eight things of why I believe we can be optimistic, not based on what we feel, but what God's Word says about how we can feel, what we can believe. Now, I did actually find 23 reasons, um, but I felt like you would fall asleep and forever be pessimist. <laughs> so we're going to stick with eight, all right? So I am going to go hard and fast through these, so if you want to jot these down, 
um, and we don't, you don't have time to write the whole verse out, just write the reference out. I, I, I employ you to walk back through these and let this be the desire of your heart that you would forever choose to be optimistic based off of, not your feelings, because our feelings go up and down, right? Anybody have up and down feelings? Don't point to the person next to you, okay? First one is this, number one, my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. That's not based on what I feel. That's based on this scripture right here, Romans 8, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, therefore, there is now, what kind of condemnation? No condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you what? Set us free. That's not a feeling. If we are in Christ, those of us who have said, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I believe he's the leader and forgiver of my life. If you've ever bowed the knee and said, I'm surrendering to God Almighty because of what he's done for me. If you are in Christ, it says you are no longer condemned. Now, I've got got two dogs. One of our dogs, um, his name is Murphy. We're not very original at my house. My kids named it. His name's Murphy Murphy. Really, that is like in his title, Murphy Dog Murphy. That's his name. So this, this last week, I got in from being out of town. The first thing I did, I drove up, and I got negative, and I condemned my dog for it. Have you ever done that? I drove up, and the dog had, the kids had piled up some trash, shut the lid, but there's like this much of trash bag exposed, and my dogs had got up in there and just drug trash all over. So I always say this. I, I, it's funny that I say it because I can now think back to my dad and my mom saying this to our dogs growing up. But I got out of the car and I said, who did this? Is that, a, is that like something other people say? Because I feel like it, it should be. Um, but I got out and I said, and the dogs were all like happy to see me. They're like, ha, 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 all over the, my car door. I open it and I said, who did this? And they're all perked up, and as soon as I said that, they just wilted, like, like that. Because you get beat around my house when you drag the trash out, all right? Please don't call K-9 on me, all right? There's not a, like a bad beating, just a kind of a, a minor one, okay? But I looked at my dog, Murphy, and I said, who did this? And Murphy completely condemned himself. He just like, I mean, my other dog, like, she didn't do it. She didn't feel bad about it. My dog, Murphy, he knows he did it. He condemned himself. I condemned him. But here's the thing. I condemn Murphy for dragging the trash around. And I can do that. I'm his master. But when you have someone who is your king, who is your friend, who is your savior, and he says to you, you are no longer condemned, then all the voices you hear from your past... Anybody who wants to speak in your life trash or untruths or something that is not from God, it don't matter. Because when your king, when our master, when our savior says you are no longer condemned, that's a fact. You are no longer condemned. When we're in Christ, we're in Christ. We are a new creation. Old things have gone away. God has given us new stuff. So in us is the Spirit of God for the new believer. We're no longer condemned. My sins are forgiven 
and our eternity is secure. I'm optimistic because of that. The second thing is this. Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. The reason I can be optimistic is because the God of the universe sits in heaven. Scripture says, interceding for me. Check out Romans 8, 34. Christ, who died, more than that, who raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also, what does the word say? Interceding. That's just sort of like like awesome, unbelievable, like deep, intense prayer. Jesus, who sits on the right hand of the Father, is interceding for who? For us. I've got a mentor. His name's Denny St. Clair. In fact, our church has supported Denny St. Clair since the very beginning of the launch of our church. Denny was my youth pastor growing up. He served Samaritan's Purse when missionaries come off of the field. He supports them. He encourages them. He helps them get back into the system. Uh, he goes on all, all other sorts of trips. We've helped him go on trips. Uh, but Denny is one of those guys that when he comes in town, the first thing he wants to do with me, he wants to pray for me. And I've had some weird experiences with Denny. I, we tease about this. Denny's been one of those guys. He's got big hands. He's a big guy. He's literally the hairiest guy I've ever seen in my, all, all my life. I remember being a teenage boy and going on canoeing trips, and we just were like, we were like scared of him because we thought like literally the like grizzly bears were running out of the woods. He is like, he's a white guy, but he looks completely black because he's fur. He's just all fur. I don't really want, know why I told you that, but, but he's a big guy. That's big guy led to, okay. So his hands are massive. He used to always put his hand on my head as a little kid. And he just pray for me. Just pray for me. God, I pray you, you just you just do something in this kid's life. God, help him have identity from you, no, from no one else. You know, I'm, I'm in middle school. He's praying that. I'm in high school. He's praying that. When he comes into town, he'll literally, we'll be places in embarrassment. He'll put his hand on my head, right? And he'll pray for me. I can tell you this. I don't know if you appreciate or like when someone who is a godly, holy man prays for you, but I love it. Not only does Denny, when he comes into town, pray for me, but he's like, son, I pray for you. He calls me son. Son, I pray, for you. I pray for you morning, I pray for you day, and I pray for you night. When I remember that he's praying for me, all of a sudden I bow up and I'm like, I got this. Denny's praying for me. Here's what's crazy. He's like a holy, godly, spiritual advisor to me. Scripture says Jesus. 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 Like Jesus. Jesus who is the Holy Son of God, God in a body, God in a body, who not only, Scripture says, died, but better than that, not taking away anything from our, the sacrifice, but in like sheer like, oh my gosh, magic tricks that nobody can ever replace. There's other people that died, but only one person who rose. And the person who rose from the dead says to us, I constantly intercede for you. I feel great when Denny prays for me. (laughs) What should I feel like realizing that Jesus, who rose from the dead, prays for me? I'm optimistic because Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. Number three, my future victory is greater than my present pain. My future 
victory. If I'm in Christ, I am victorious. He was victorious. I am victorious. My present, my future victory is greater than my present pain. I'm optimistic because I'm because what I'm going through now, God is using using to sharpen me. Romans eight eighteen says, "I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us." You know what that means? <laughs> that anything that we have. That we are experiencing in the present. However harsh. And I know that there are some of you that are going through some large levels of pain management right now. Physical pain, spiritual struggle, emotional struggle. But it pales in comparison to the future life that we'll have in heaven for all of eternity because of who we are in Christ. You may suffer some now, but God God says your present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed through us. God wants to take your brokenness and use it to help somebody else. Who knows that God would use your exact story It may not have already happened, but God will use your story in somebody else's forever. That's one of our sayings around here. I believe it. That's a fact. I see that in God's Word. Fourth thing is this. My mind is filled with the peace of God. The reason I can be optimistic is not because of a feeling, but because of what Jesus says. Romans 8, 6 says this. The mind is governed by the flesh, or the mind that's governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is what? Life and what? Peace. Oh my gosh. What does Scripture say about the heart? Guard your heart for it's what? It's the wellspring of life, right? Everything flows out of our heart and the mind that sometimes they're kind of like Uniquely connected when God's Word explains the heart and the mind. But it's basically speaking of what goes on up here and here, kind of simultaneously. My mind and my heart is connected. I can be optimistic because my mind is filled with the peace of God. That's something you should know. That's something we should remember. That's something we we should talk about. When we start looking for bad things, we find bad things. When we start seeking out the truth, what does the truth do for us? Sets us free. There's a great bit of psychology behind how our brain operates. Uh, If you've ever wanted to read a very unique book written by an incredible Christian author called... This is not in my notes, people, so this is why you should not be a speaker like me, okay? It's called Switch on Your Brain. Um, and I cannot tell you the author, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lady, and it's a phenomenal book, and we've really researched a lot of this book because Jen, who's my niece, who has brain damage, um, th- this is just factual of how we can put it, things in our brains, and it can reprogram our brains. That's what the brain experts say, but I believe it's in Scripture. 
The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The reason I can be optimistic is because the God of the universe lives in me, gave me his word, and offers to me a certain kind of life. You know, oftentimes I think Christianity, that we get the deeper, 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 very deeper folks that say we've kind of always got to kind of feel like we're in pain as Christians, and deep Christianity means you're just like living on a mountain somewhere all alone, just like suffering, right? It's not really what the Bible explains. Scripture explains that God has come to give us life and give it to us abundantly, right? There are going to be difficult times. There's going to be struggles in life. We're going to have pain. But here's the truths that give us peace, that give us freedom. Did you know that the three greatest, most difficult things in all of life, sin, pain, and suffering, and death, were all overcome and conquered by Jesus? Right? And again, because of Him, through Him, I am more, Scripture says, than a conqueror. I can be confident. I can be optimistic because my mind is filled with the peace of God. Number five, if God is for me, who can be against me? I love this one. This is like my favorite. This is like my favorite truth about being a Christian. If my God is for me, which he is, who can be against me? How many of you guys, you need that on certain days when like you feel like everybody's against you, right? Does anybody have any critics? Anybody? You guys, did you guys know that pastors have critics? Isn't that the weirdest thing in the world? How could I ever have a critic? I'm the nicest guy I know. I love everybody. But I tell you what, I got, I got, I got critics. I get, I get an email or two every week of somebody who doesn't like something that I said, wants to debate about something. I'm like, come on, man, can't we just be friends, right? If you're a Christian, aren't we all kind of going to the same place? Why debate this? Come on, man. You just... Go there and you read it for yourself. I'm not the truth. He is, right? So we got critics, right? So here's the thing. Romans 8, 32 says that if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Listen, there's an incredible verse. If you get lost in who's chosen, who's, who's not, right? There's one verse that kind of clears all that up. It says this in John 3, 16. For God so loved... Who? That he gave his only son to do what? I'm messing the verse up. I totally know that. Right? That who shall ever perish, who shall ever not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? So here's the thing. Jesus died for everybody. He desires for everybody to come to know him. My dad. This is in my notes. My dad embodies this for me. Uh, I, I was just quickly this morning just, just rattling off ideas and, or just experiences where my dad just sort of kind of just rescued me. Um, I remember one time I, I was working at my dad's shop. He's owned Murphy's truck in South Florida for uh, many, 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 many years, his dad before him. And uh, I remember a, a couple of the guys uh, on the Murphy truck team who were out working on cars as I was changing oil as a kid 
kept getting mad at me that I, that I wasn't doing it right. And, and they were supposed to be helping me, but they'd get ticked off at me. And a couple of them told me that day, like, listen, you've done so poorly, no snacks for you today, right? No, no snacks, no drinks. And this was like when I was like nine years old. I'm literally changing orals on like big rigs. Big rigs as a little guy. I did a lot of sweeping too, but my other job was just changing oil. And I remember on one particular occasion, they were like mad at me and like, like just like dog cussing me for something I had done. I, I did a poor job. I, I'm pretty sure of that. Um, and one of the guys just kicked me in the butt. Like when I walked into the snack room, they were like, no, this is for people who get stuff done. And my dad saw this happen. And my dad like went in there and just lit, lit into everybody. And I heard him say like five or six times, this is my son. <laughs> and I was just like, that is my dad. Get you some of that. Like, that was one experience. Another time. When I was 12 years old, we were in lunch. And there had been a big food fight that had begun. I did not start it. I was not involved in it. Now, that's not my track record, and most of my school teachers knew that. However, a guy named Mr. Octon, if you're watching today, if you remember, he ran up to me and looked at four of the boys who were a part of it. I was in the middle of them, but for whatever reason that day, I was starving, and I was just eating. And everybody verified that later on, because this was like a big deal that day. He snatched me up by my hair, and once he got me up, he grabbed me by my ear and drugged me. Like, like literally, it was like off my feet for a moment, and then back up all by my ear. And he took me to his room and scolded me and sat me down. I think he got himself under control. Well, a few teachers uh, got word and saw, and kids, somehow it got out to my dad. And I, I looked out the window and my dad was driving up in his, like, 1985 Suburban and pulled up, and I saw him, and I was like, my dad's coming. <laughs> my dad's coming. And I was, like, I was very, very, I, I was very mischievous, but I was very respectful. I didn't say I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't say a peep. So this guy, the entire time, thought I had done it. My dad goes straight to, like, any, you know, first person he sees, and he says, tell me what my son, and he tells me, come on, let's go, we're going home. That's all there was to it, and I went home. Another experience, I call my dad, I'm a junior, one of my summer jobs, I worked on a horse ranch, had a lot of jobs over the years, but every summer I worked on a horse ranch, and I watered the horses, fed the horses, walked them into a horse pool, swam, it was like a horse hospital, where people would board horses. One summer, there was an ex-convict who was working on the team. And I had got promoted, so I was in charge of, like, all the mowing and weed-eating. Come on. He, I was his boss. But he was probably 10 years older than I was. Um, and I overheard on one day in the morning that they were trying to steal from somebody there like the hospital break in and I actually saw them open their car doors they had a gun in their car yada 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 so I'm like what do I do what do I do so I call my dad and he says I'm sure you just he just kind of downplays the whole thing I don't know if that was for my sake or whatever he just said get back to work that was also kind of my dad's philosophy 
just get back to work. So I get back to work. My dad ends up driving by uh, around lunchtime, and we're on lunch break, and these guys had found out that I had heard what they were doing. I don't remember if they inquired or what. It's been so long ago. But they all had me pinned. Three or four of these guys had me pinned up against the wall. And they were just lighting into me, saying, I'll kill you if you say anything, blah, 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 blah. And they were, like, shoving me against the wall. And then my dad drove up. I've got lots of stories of my dad. My dad drove up and in about 30 seconds wiped the floor literally with every one of those guys. And I just stood there going, that's my dad. That's my dad. That's my dad. Back to this point. Here's the thing. If my daddy is for me, who can be against me? Say that with me because I don't think some of you guys are really getting this. If my dad is for me, who can be against me? See, I don't think we can truly even grasp how much God loves us. But when you just slow down long enough to grasp that a real father sent a real son for us, and, is, and, and then all through mankind, ages and ages of time, says this to us. The reason I can be optimistic and it not have to be based off my emotions, my feelings, the, the, the thought of the day, the negativity of the room, the reason I can be optimistic is because my God is for me. We don't have a God who hates us. God hates sin. But then in that moment, his son took the entire sin of the world and felt hated for a moment. That's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Think about that for a moment. He, they did that for us so that we could be born and live our lives in him, knowing that all the days of our life, no matter if someone punks you out, calls you out, drags you out by your ear, has you up against the wall, we can remember that my God is for me. Who can be against us? We can live strongly through that. Number five. That was number five. Number six. God's Spirit helps me in weakness. Romans eight twenty four. Who hopes for what they already have. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You know what that, that, you know what that really means? It means His power is made perfect in my weakness. The reason I can be confident and I can let my guard down, that I, I can be held up when I'm feeling down, when I'm hurting, he can be my comfort. When I'm alone, he's my friend. When I'm weak, he's strong. I can be even optimistic on a terribly bad day. Why? Because I know he'll use it, even in my weakness, for me to learn who he is on those bad days. God wants to use those bad days to help you better know who he is. How would you know who God is if you did not have a bad day, you did not have a struggle, you had no weakness, how would you know who God was? But in those bad days, in those weak moments, 
In those times when all you can focus in on are the scars, the bruises, the time you got sucker punched in the gut, when you're really bruised up, in those moments, in those moments are the moments that we can really truly know who God is and how powerful he is. Because his power is made perfect in my weakness. God's spirit helps me in weakness. Number seven, God's working everything in my life for good. The reason I can be optimistic when things are negative, when things are sour, is because God is working them for my good. Now, that's, that, that sounds like one of these cute sayings that's just kind of like a, a fairy tale type thing, but this is really what God's doing. We have, to take, we have to take God's word for it being God's word and it being truthful. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Um, this summer I was in a restaurant in Israel. Uh, one of the nicest restaurants around. We got lucky enough to get invited our whole group of uh, people to this restaurant. Another Christian uh, uh, man owned this restaurant and heard that Christie's dad was there touring with a group. Invited us to his restaurant. We got set up with like, it was unbelievable. We weren't dressed all that great for it, but, but the service was unbelievable. Well, they brought to us whole fish, right? The eyeballs and the whole thing. And I, 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 have, I have this just etched in my mind experience where I was getting ready to try to start digging, dig out more and more and more of the meat, and you got to do it through all the bones. Well, of course, I'm looking around, and, and I'm looking at all the girls, and they're going like, oh, there's, there's eyeballs. And I'm like, this is awesome. We can have some fun with this. Well, literally, literally, I had not really chosen yet to mess with somebody with the eyeball when the eyeball on my fish fell off, hit the side of my shoe, and rolled like across the room. And I mean, this joker, this, I, I thought it would be like moister, softer, but it was hard, right? And that joker literally, I don't know how it did this to roll quickly across the floor, but it was moving, and I'm the only person who saw it. Well, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this, this thing's rolling across the floor, and out of nowhere, there's a man standing in black against a black curtain, and he kind of just goes like all ninja he like swoops down and like swoops up this, this eyeball and then quickly just steps back in place again like, like it never happened. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that guy was there. Like you ever have something weird like, like I never saw that man. I felt like, like after that he was breathing on my shoulder. So I decided to do it again. I thought, well, no one saw it the first time. So literally... I, I, I got another fish, and I kind of just rolled it across the floor again. And again, out of nowhere, he's against this black curtain. He jumps out, all ninja style, swoops it up, and stands back in attention again and doesn't say anything to anybody. This is how I see God doing this for us. Out of nowhere, this guy disappeared and reappeared. It was as if he was always there. When it comes to us with God, God is there. He's always there. And whatever you're going through, remember he's at the right hand of the Father praying, interceding for you. He is always working everything in my life for good. 
He is always there, and he's always working everything in our lives for good. God never wastes a moment. He never wastes a moment. Your worst moment, God wants to use it for our good. Now, I know that's hard to wrap our brains around sometimes. Sometimes we don't see uh, the, the end story. But we have to rely on this as being a truth. God loves us, and he does work everything out for a good. Number eight, the last one. Nothing, nothing can separate me from the love of God. I can be optimistic because nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nobody else has the ability to do that, including you. Did you know you do not have the power to separate yourself from God's love? If you could, what would that say about God's unbelievable love? It would say weak, right? It would say weak sauce, right? That's even like weaker than weak. Romans 8, 38 says this. And let's just do this. I'd like for us to stand. And I'd like for us to end with reciting this verse. I want you to say this. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of God, I want you to say that I can be optimistic because of this. I can be optimistic. Here we go. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else above all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter where we go, God is there. No matter what I do, God still loves me. No matter what happens to me, He is for me. The reason we can be optimistic today, the reason I cannot just feel optimistic is because it's not a feeling. I can be optimistic because what He says about me. If you were here this morning and you would say that I have been struggling with this, this whole pessimistic mindset that's like an epidemic in our world, that I've been negative and I, 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 need, I need to be reminded of this. How many of you would say today, I just want to confess that. Anybody just, I mean, we can have an open confession right now. I'm raising my hand. I need this. I need to be reminded who I am in Christ. I need to be reminded of what he thinks of me because every day our enemy longs to jack you up. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you what? Life. Let's pray. Lord, we surrender this moment to you. We thank you in Jesus' name that you are the Son of God who laid down your life for us. God, there can, there, there can be confusion in this world. We can, be, we can be confused about who to vote for. We can be confused about how to handle people coming into America. We can be confused about uh, how to treat someone who's hurting us. God, we can be confused about, you know, little small, you know, gray areas of your word, God. But we can never be confused about that. You gave your life for us. That is proof 
to the end of age that we serve a God who loves us unconditionally. God, even in our faithlessness, God, you remain faithful. You cannot deny who you are. This in your precious name we pray. Amen. You guys stick around for one last song, and when we're done, you guys, let's just celebrate Jesus today. Let's celebrate Jesus. Let's celebrate our independence. Amen.